0: I'm Kristen Brunius and this is the Overcomers Podcast. I am so excited for you to hear the stories of incredible people overcoming trials and turning them into triumphs. From everyday moms and dads to entrepreneurs to community leaders and beyond, you'll see how everyone has a story of overcoming and those stories are what connect us all. Let's hop right in. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Overcomer Stories of Trials and Triumphs. I am so excited to have you here with our guest, Satinka. I'm super excited for you to hear this part of Satinka's story. Um, but before we get started, I just want to ask: did you get a chance to listen to John last week? His episode was amazing. If you haven't had the chance to listen, go back and catch that episode. I think it will really impact you. Um And also, will you just do me a favor and hit that subscribe button? I'm learning about the podcast world, and I'm learning that this is a really big deal to have a certain number of subscribers. So if you guys would do me a favor, hit that subscribe or follow button. And if you're feeling extra, extra gracious, will you also hit the five stars? Um, This podcast now is available just about everywhere. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music. So when you share with your friends, just share with them on their preferred platform. So, all right. Well, I am so excited to have you here, Satinka. Um, I know a bit about Satinka. Satinka and I have been friends for about six years, but this is one particular side of Satinka that I don't actually know because this was before we met. So Satinka, why don't we talk about how we met This girl from California and this girl from Indiana. How did we get to know each other?
1: Well, I remember going to a Soul Naturals event. I think it was all for leaders, and we all get assigned to different tables. And either I was at your table or you were at my husband's table, or somehow but I just remember we were all nervous because we were forced to sit with people we don't know. And it was just a natural connection, just meeting you. And, um, and like I said, it was a leader's event. So (laughs) we all were there for a purpose and with an intention and just, and I just remember meeting you. And then I think every event since then I've got to take selfies with you and uh, go on trips with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the vet was in Vegas. So I had been um, with the company that Satinka and I are both with, Soul Naturals. uh, That was February. And I had joined Soul Naturals in September. So like I was new beyond new. And I remember I went there with this this big group of girls um, who were on my team. And I remember being so mad because they split us all up and I had to sit with these strangers. And then I had to sit with this handsome, long haired dude who happened to be (laughs) her husband. Um, And he was honestly my first impression of the other teams within Soul Naturals. And um, because he was really the first person I had really talked to. Um, And that was kind of the start to a family. And, you know, I, I talk often about having been in network marketing for the past 11 years and my favorite part of network marketing is the network. And Satinka is one of those people. We are not on the same team. We're not on the same downline, Um, but we've worked together a significant amount over the last six years because really guys, it doesn't matter. We're just both here to help people. And so Mm -hmm. Satinka, as I think you guys will see, as we start talking has the biggest heart. Um so yeah I love her and my kids love her kids and uh it's it's been fun it's been fun to to get to know her over the years so overcomers satinka yes. is an overcomer for sure amen. <laughs> amen amen I think we all are right we all have mm-hmm. have stories of overcoming but um some of those those moments are are bigger than others so why don't we start from the beginning satinka lives in California right now we won't even talk about the weather there um but where did it all start
1: uh well I was born in Vermont in Burlington Vermont but um I like to share the part that my mom was in the military and I was conceived in Iceland now that sounds fun and all but my mom was not married and uh she knew that it would be super problematic if she had me. So uh, unfortunately, this is what I've heard over the years is different stories. But this is the one she was pretty consistent with is basically uh, she couldn't get an abortion there in Iceland. So she went back to America oh, God. Um, to go plan for one. And obviously, uh, God had other plans, but it was pretty complicated for her. She did return to the States also because her mother was on her deathbed. And um, her dad, unfortunately, um, in his life, um, her dad, my grandpa, was um, he had a problem if I wasn't going to be a white baby. (laughs) Mm. And my mom um, was with a man who wasn't white. And... Um, or wasn't all white. And so he would, he found out she was pregnant. He was really mad. And he sent like women or people from adoption agencies to go visit my mom. She wasn't allowed to come home. Um, Basically she lived in like a halfway house, kind of domestic violence, you know, like support place for them. So yeah, my birth certificate says I was born in Vermont and the address is of a a home for women who need a place to go and have a baby like literally it still exists today I forgot what it's called but it's an organization to help women who are single single mothers and so yeah that's where I was born (laughs) was in Vermont and um so you were a miracle from the start Satinka (laughs) there were definitely an assignment (laughs) from the beginning (laughs) (laughs) and um So yeah, there was, there was that. So I was born in Vermont and, um, the story continues with, you know, my mom, um, she decides, all right, I'm going to keep this baby despite my dad, her mom passed away. I'm not sure like how that reconciled itself or anything, but, uh, with her mom, I I don't know if she knew she was pregnant. I mean, I would assume she would, but she died in October and I was born that January. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure, I'm sure she knew that she was pregnant, but but her dad was just not happy. Um, so my mom, uh, she married, uh, his name is Rick. I called him dad all my life when I was five months old. And then, um, they had my two brothers. We moved around a lot. I know we, she was married in I think it was like West Virginia or Virginia. I don't know somewhere over there. And then we moved to Louisiana. I remember a lot about Louisiana. Um, grade school my brother's being born always helping my mom but also also remembering a lot of the really bad stuff uh, my mom would work was working all the time my stepdad was working all the time and all i remember is when they were home they were fighting i
0: mm-hmm. saw some pretty
1: pretty bad things uh growing up and just the way that i remember the way he would talk to her um just you know i'm a kid you, you can't necessarily say, Hey, that's a bad way to talk to someone, but you kind of get the sense that like, okay, this whole thing is always uncomfortable. And, um, so the, the interesting part was, you know, there was a season, you know, that, that my mom was always under stress. She's always freaking out. My stepdad was always mad. And, um, and again, he, he was in the Navy She was still in the Navy. There was a point where we moved from Louisiana to California and I remember some real cool highlights. Uh, you know, that that road trip was really cool. They stopped to see some friends. I remember fishing for the first time. I remember we all got chicken pox on the way. That's when I rem that's when I remember too that uh my brother didn't have a car seat. And I was in charge of sitting next to my brother in the car to make sure my brother didn't fall out of the bench seat where all three are of you? us would be. God, it was probably kindergarten first grade oh, wow
0: what a responsibility
1: <laughs> yeah like but you know what do you do it's we didn't have a car seat and we have to drive across the country <laughs> right right um and um so we are, we're we moved uh from new orleans to um san pedro which is like Le- los angeles area of california and i remember that was a really complicated place i mean just Ethnicity wise there was a lot of just uh, lots of different groups and this is where I saw even more um, diverse ethnicity from Asian and Hispanic and whites obviously but just just becoming a little bit aware of it but because of it it just I just remember there being pockets of just odd (laughs) things I wasn't used to and things at home were not any better Um, I think my mom you know, she's working two jobs. At one point, she was working at um, 7-Eleven and the galley. Still in the Navy, she was a cook, and um, there were times where she couldn't keep a babysitter because uh, apparently they'd all tell her my brothers were unruly, or one of my brothers was unruly, and so we'd lose another babysitter. So I'd I'd baby I'd have to babysit, which just meant I'd sit in the car with my brothers for hours, um, out in the car. And um, and then we would go with her to 711 and literally uh, sometimes sleep in the back of a 711, <laughs> bring bring a pillow and hang out in the back of the 711. So all these things is my perception, right? But for my mom, I just, I just know that that was just just Max, Max, Max for her, you know, working so much. And when she'd work, we'd get home. I think she'd get home. It was like three in the morning. I remember driving and being all nervous. Cause I'm like, why can't we see out the windows? Cause the fog was so bad. And she'd drive behind a semi anyway. So my mom, yeah, we, uh, being disciplined was always a big deal. Um, just meaning that, yeah, it was either somebody's slipper, somebody's belt, a broomstick, whatever crazy stuff. My parents could get their hands on. Um, So there were so in San Pedro, I remember one time she'd smacked me across the face and, you know, getting a visit at school and my mom told me to wear a hat and like hide my face and all this stuff. And I remember I don't remember the gist of it, just someone showed up to the house to come visit us and then later finding out that it was like someone kind of like a social worker whatever nothing came of it. So then we moved from Los Angeles to more Southern California because my dad was stationed in San Diego at that point. So things just got more complicated. My stepdad got out of the Navy and he, and, um, he opened up a bakery. My mom was, I think she had left the Navy by then and she was working a bunch too still. And that bakery thing probably was like, just the max for my parents because you know financially he had just bought a house he quit you know basically quit his job to start a business all by himself to open this bakery and that had some fun highlights see I like to do that I like to you know I can name all these bad things but I I really 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 have all my life looked for the good things to hang on to because you know who really wants to be that miserable and um so a highlight during that time of my stepdad you know owning the bakery was there'd be times where he would take me to the bakery because they had this huge oven with these like huge huge shelves that would rotate um and sometimes he'd drop his pans and he couldn't afford to buy new pans (laughs) so he literally would put me in the oven on the tray and it'd rotate think of like a sideways revolving door and i'd get on the shelf and he'd rotate it so I could get down to the bottom pick up all his pans he'd dropped, and then he'd lift me back out and it was like you know and he made the most delicious bread it was like the Filipinos called it pan de leche or something it's basically like sweet milk bread or something but oh, he made pies wow. he made all these cool things but he just didn't have the clientele his bakery's starting to fail and um Um, things were just really hard because yeah like I said I'm watching my brothers and there was one time my mom would come home and my brother had got in trouble with the babysitter she got really mad he got he got his butt whooped but after that was when I knew okay something's really wrong I remember being at school and uh you know you hear your name over the intercom and they said, Don't get on the bus, come to the front office. Um, so I remember going to the front office and it, it felt like hours sitting in the front office. And uh and I remember someone to come pick me up. I'm like, Who are you? Where's my mom? Why can't I go home? Why didn't I get to go on the bus? And uh they're like, Well, something happened with your brother, and um, we have to take you somewhere tonight. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, and I didn't think I was. I was probably 11, 10 or 11. And my brothers were huge to me. Like you know, I've spent all my life taking care of them all of the life that I'd had so far and with. and uh, so they 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 get me in the car with my little brother and he's probably like two, maybe two or three. I remember he's crying and I'm just trying to keep it together. 'Cause I'm like, these people aren't being very clear. Like, what are you talking about? You know, like, why can't I go home? My we need I need my mom. Like, where's my mom? And they, you know, basically said, Well, your brother has been hurt and we need to take you somewhere safe. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, something happened, you know, I that I can't remember exactly. You know, I'm 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 just really freaking out at this point because now my little brother's crying. And again, I'm trying to keep it together. So that was super tough because the worst part is, you know, they were taking us to what they called an emergency shelter. And the worst part is like that they separated us. And I just remember that being like so evil as a kid. I'm like, what are you talking about? You can't take my brothers from me. What was the reasoning for separating you? My brother, my mom, my mom hurt my brother like Mm. she she he had bruises he was physically just she you know I don't know to what extent but other than it was bad he had really bad bruises and uh so yeah when you beat up a kid like that you don't get your kids yeah and I'm sure it was just my mom was maxed out you know there's been numerous times where she just fly off the handle and we would get you know the short end of the stick, literally. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, but yeah, just, you know, that was just so hard because it's like, this is already like so confusing. Like this is normal. We get beat by our parents when we're in trouble. We did the wrong thing. This is the price you pay. Like we get it. This is the thing. Like take me home. Don't take me away from my brothers. And so basically they had to split us up just because of the nature of what my brother had been through and then my other brother was too small and then I was a girl so it's like you can't put the girls with the boys and just just how the system worked at the time so where'd you go and, uh, so they had us all local and uh I remember like we lived in Marietta at the time sitting in Southern California. Um, she, they sent us all different. And then there's this time that passed. And because I was the oldest and my stepdad was being deployed or something, maybe he didn't have the bakery yet, but I remember they said, well, your dad's, your stepdad's always gone. We need you to be at home with your mom because we just, she's not doing very well and you're old enough. You could be home with your mom. Um, And I remember being with my mom and my brothers were in foster care A little bit of time. And then they sent us all to my grandparents' house, which were actually my stepdad's grandparents. And this is where the story turns for good because, you know, my life with my parents so young was really hard, you know, because they were just working all the time. They're trying to pay bills, they're fighting all the time. It's hard to have a relationship with your kids. And the grandparents lived in Michigan. Ah, Michigan. yes (laughs) yes <laughs> and so that and I remember them always coming to visit so we knew who they were we were looking forward to because I just remember anytime they came it was good visits and we really enjoyed them and uh so we went to Michigan and and I think that was just such a cool time because that's when I was just aware of so many cool things about just being in a home that isn't stressed out you know watching my grandma There was something funny I remember thinking back on because I was real uh, sensitive to certain texture things but I never had language for it and you know my parents weren't necessarily super tidy but I remember every night she'd do all the dishes she'd wipe down all the tables and then she'd always wipe down every jar before she put it in the fridge and I was like oh that's how you solve that problem. (laughs) And just like it sounds so silly. But when you're so stressed out as a child and you deal with all these things, you know that you don't like them, but you're just surviving. So then now I'm removed from this and I'm with her. And I just watch how she does things and I'm like, oh, that was easy. Just this. Oh, that's how you fold your shirt so I can find things. Oh, that's how you make your bed. So it's nice to get in at the end of the day. You know, just all these things that you probably don't appreciate as a child. But when you're stressed out, you need something you can control. Right. right. And, uh, and another really special thing I remember about listening to her is like, we'd meet her friends. They'd take us to places. And, um, and just listening to her and she would introduce me. Like, this is my granddaughter. <laughs> it was like, it was so cool to feel like this woman, this mother, she's proud that I Belonged to her, and it was just like again, it sounds super crazy, right? To think, wow, I'm introduced as someone important, and um, I'm you, just you,
0: you mattered, and she showed you, you know, a, yeah. an example of right life with structure when you came right. from such an
1: unstructured environment right and so it's like I just have these fun tiny little takeaways of just these things were foundational where I wasn't really excelling in school you know in Long Beach and all that and and then you know when you help a child and give them these foundational things it was like it just changed my life and really made a huge difference like you know and she just like feeling like she believed in me I was important to her and my grandpa too he was you know he was just just as awesome I mean he's pretty stoic and he was always just like this is how you garden you know and he's like with a shovel and he's like this is where you get the earthworms and you know dig up a bunch of earthworms this is how you fish and you know he's just a man's man it was awesome um and uh So that was, that was, you know, super hard, but super cool because God definitely like how they could think of like one of those lift you out of the miry clay, like Mm -hmm. literally to just have a chance, like given the opportunity to improve and not that much was expected. It was just, I had the opportunity to, to be in a good place. And so that was a really awesome season. We were there for almost a year, you know, and even going to school there, that was a lot of fun because again, I wasn't stressed at home. I was able to focus. I remember enjoying reading a book, which, mm. you know, like I never did that because I was couldn't read very well and had a hard time. But again, everything related to being stressed out as a child and un- uncomfortable. because well, how of, you know,
0: are, How are you supposed to learn how to read when you're taking care of your siblings and, you know, trying to just stay out of trouble and to you know not get caught in the middle of an argument and what i'm thinking to myself is i'm almost like envisioning little satinka like bouncing from place to place you know you've mentioned virginia vermont louisiana california now southern california up to michigan i mean before you were even you know, in double digits, you had lived in how many states? Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of times we talk about what your mind and your body does in survival. I think you were in survival as a child, right? Oh, true that. <laughs> yeah. And so right? that that time with your grandparents gave you like a little glimpse into, you know, what what life could be so what Mm -hmm. happened after that so you went you went back you were with grandpa and grandma Mm -hmm. learned how to garden which by the way Satinka has an amazing garden
1: (laughs) (laughs) right um so that was then things cleared up with my parents you know basically they satisfied whatever the court had said hey you got to do xyz to get your kids back excuse me and uh so they did anger management they did these parenting classes all this stuff and they get us back and maybe that's around the time that the the whole bakery thing went south because I remember my my mom's um oh and my mom had been assigned like huge amounts of community service instead of jail time and uh they um they had a car that was getting repossessed I remember that and that was like what they take your car like don't they know you can't pay the bill you know again I'm a child like what like well how's my mom supposed to get to Paris from Marietta I mean that's like 30 miles away so literally my mom would ride a bike all the way to Paris from Marietta and uh, that was kind of just just really showed me some some you know, diligence on my mom's part. Like my mom was always willing, always willing to do what it took. So, uh, Valentine's day of, uh, a couple years after the bakery and the car repossession, my mom left my stepdad and it was on Valentine's day. And I remember just that morning, them, he, he wasn't like mad. I mean, I think he was mad, but he's like, he didn't put up like huge fight and she basically said you need to take me to the dpss is like social services office in like elsinore and i remember sitting in this crazy office you know as an adult i think of it as like the dmv like just hours being there i think we were there past closing because they're trying to get stuff for my mom and there was no place for us to go so they gave my mom these hotel vouchers and we went Mm. to a hotel and we were in a hotel for probably a couple of months before my mom had all of her food stamps and her welfare check and all this stuff so yeah we had to do laundry at a laundromat and she had to get us enrolled in school and that was the year I was supposed to start middle school so that was super stressful because you know middle school I think everyone has a really unique story for middle school <laughs> right and um so we moved to this city called Lake Elsinore and it doesn't have the greatest reputation. Like Marriott is really nice compared to Lake Elsinore and they're like real close to each other. And, uh, and yeah, so we're living in this hotel. I walked to the middle school and I just remember just some crazy stuff about like the first week of school. I remember literally, I think the first week of school, someone offered me a joint and all I could remember is. <laughs> in michigan was like the dare program thing it was like say no to Trumps. <laughs> like what is going on i have to tell the teacher and then telling the teacher and another time and then it gets found out that i was the one who ratted out the kid and i remember people talking about what the tweakers and like i found out what a tweaker was and you know it was like what i don't i don't, what is this place so thankfully you know i had my mom also found a church in the area. And also something that was kind of significant was this kid's church that we went to in the neighborhood. And that was always just super welcoming. It was this old lady. Her name was, we called her Pastor Elaine. And, uh, she was just super awesome. And she, she called her, we called it kid's church, but it was called rock ministries, basically the rock stood for reaching our city's kids. And, um, And so we were pretty connected with the church. I was always helping a kid's church because Pastor Lee never had any adult helpers. I was like the adult. I was probably 12. Wow. (laughs) I was probably 12. And um, so and I remember I at the nursery at church, um, I remember when they would pay me at nursery. Like I'd get a little paid up with like a 10 dollar check, like no joke. I was so proud of like my 10 dollar check. I, again, I'm like 12 or 13 years old. I don't even think you're allowed to pay people payroll at that age. <laughs> but the church did. And so fast forward to high school. You know, things aren't much easier because my mom, I think she had several different jobs. At one point she worked at McDonald's. One time she worked at like a dishes store like called Mikasa or something weird. And um, so high school starts, and you know, I heard I'm. I thank God for this. You'll hear why later. But I thank God that when I started high school, I remember the way that they had the schedule arranged. If you wanted to graduate early, you did the block schedule thing. So I was like, sign me up, graduate a year early. Heck yeah, I'll do that. So I do all the things. I go to school. I was I was better, a lot better in school again after Grandma. I was like, seriously, just world changer there. So. And then I heard, oh, you can get like a real job if you go to the office and go get a work permit. So I think I was 14 and a half or something is mm. what they said I could do. I went and got a work permit. But also my mom didn't have a car. She had a car for a short time until it broke and she had no money to fix it. And uh, and then I'm 15 and a half. Oh, I'm allowed to... Uh, I can get a driver's license. Sure. All right. I'm going to get one of those. Cause I'm sure that'll change my life too. And get me out of that. How old were you? <laughs> I think 15 and a half when you can get your permit. Oh
0: yeah. I guess. Cause you get your license. Used to get your
1: license at 16. Yeah. You, yeah, I could, but you could start as early as 15 and a half, but you have to get your permit. So literally like the week I could, I, uh, i I used to phone book, I remember, and I'd call all these places because I'd say, I don't have a car, so d- how much is it you come get me <laughs> so I could do this class so I could get my permit, you know? And I remember calling but didn't them, did you boy, have
0: to have like an adult drive with you, Satinka? Like, well,
1: what they, well, they had the adult, like, oh, I told them, like, they have, have place, okay, got it, got it, yeah, like the instructor comes to sign off that you did your class and you drove the car or whatever, so because I'm like, don't. Don't tell me I can't do it. I didn't have a car, but i I, I could get this license, so I'm gonna get this license. <laughs> and um, so yeah, I was doing all right, I was doing all right in school, and um, and I would babysit when I could. and also on the summers, I would house clean with this lady I'd met at church. So I just did whatever I could because, um, you know, when my mom couldn't pay the gas bill, I would pay the gas bill. If I wanted shoes, I would go buy shoes um and now that I'm in high school and then I got you know I had had a few jobs and I I um I remember one time tell, you know being really upset with my mom because the phone didn't work and I was like mom why doesn't the phone work she's like well I couldn't pay it what do you mean you couldn't pay it like I'll pay the bill how am I supposed to call my friends to come and get me and take me to work like so I'd have to go find a neighbor, which there was a sketchy apartment complex across the street that we're pretty sure always had drug deals. <laughs> and just go ask if someone, hey, if I give you 50 cents, can I please use your phone? I got to call for a ride, you know. And it was so, yeah, that was a lot of high school. And um, and also just ov- obviously I'm in high school looking for looking for attention. I'm a young lady. I'm looking for all the boy attention that I could. And um, I don't remember being like crazy into boys but like if I were interested in one then I would just stay connected with the one and there was one that I had you know met at church and met his family and and this is where I just started to also pay pay more attention to the way that people were at church versus people were at home and you know this family that I met and I started seeing their son and um, they'd party it up and didn't mind that us young kids would party it up and but we were at church on Sundays and they're singing Jesus songs and asking for prayer and praying for others and all this stuff. And I just remember that was kind of hard uh to understand. Again, I'm I'm young. I'm young. I'm probably 15. You know, because I, I think we started dating. I was probably 15 or something. And then, you know, just um just also because I think I saw it so much I was like well I have to maintain this this kids church I'm her helper I'm important to this unit these people at church they know me they trust me they like me but then also I have this high school these friends and these you know the boyfriend and you know will they party and like you know just seeing just getting all caught up in that stuff and you know and and I wasn't you know wasn't being good, <laughs> and and um, so yeah, th- there come a time when you know, my period it didn't come, and I was like, this is weird, hmm. and I, I remember, um, because I had a friend who, she was not the greatest influence, but she uh, we would go to Walmart together, and we would occasionally you know swipe a mascara because like well i don't have any extra money for mascara i don't have any extra money for eyeliner whatever and we would take things here and there and you know because she showed me she's like no you just bend down put it in your shoe and we'll just walk out and we'll go buy something else and i just remember always freaking out but then this time you know i didn't start my period and i was like i am not going to go walk through a walmart at 16 years old with, and buy a pregnancy test. So I stole a pregnancy test. I took one out of a box. I put it in my, I remember we all wore stupid high socks and uh, I had it in my sock and she drove, she had a car and uh, we drove to a McDonald's and she came into the stall with me because I was afraid to do it by myself. And I took a pregnancy test, I took a pregnancy test with a stolen pregnancy test in a McDonald's bathroom. Wow. And it was positive. And, uh, and my friend, she just started crying and she's like, I don't care what your mom says. You can come and live with me. We'll tell my mom, my mom will let you come and live with me. It'll be okay. We could do this. And I was like, I don't, I don't remember crying. I just remember being really mad. And I'm like, no, no, no no it's not no way no way I have plans I'm trying to fix things I'm trying to get out of my mom's house no way no way no way no way and um so I didn't tell anybody um she knew and I don't know if she ever told her mom but it just stayed there right and then I went and told my boyfriend at the time and I remember he kind of freaked out I don't remember his reaction as much but I just you know he's like well we can't I think I do remember him saying, you know, well, we can't have this. We can't have a baby. Like, what are you talking about? You can't, we can't have a baby. And, um, he was also almost three years older than me, maybe two and a half years older than me. So I was 16, you know, so that's uh, probably problematic there too. (sighs) And so I, I told him, I said, all right, well, if we're going to get an abortion, you have to go with me. I'm not going to go alone. You you can't, I, you can't make me do this by myself. And he said, all right. And, um, so the next thing was I had another friend and see a lot of us get in these situations. We know what friend to talk to for what, right. Right. Especially when, especially when you're a teenager. So I called a friend who she was the party friend, at least one of them. And I told her what a situation I was in. And I said, I I need to do something about this. And she said, it's all right, we'll figure it out. She goes and gets a phone book and like, we'll start calling places. And so I remember starting to call these places and just asking a bazillion questions. You know, the, I would always ask like, is this something I have to tell a parent? Like, do I have to have someone, an adult with me? And they're like, no, you can come do it by yourself, whatever. So I'd make, I made the first appointment and, and I told the older sister. Like, hey, I'll pay you gas money. Can you take me to this appointment? Uh, me and the boyfriend. And she said, Yes, I'll take you. And uh, and so I we the first appointment comes around. We have and I have it all set up. You know, I had the whole thing, I had saved all this money because you gotta pay for it. So I'd saved the money. I um had the time to slot it out. He knew when it was, and the morning of I couldn't find him. He wouldn't answer the phone. He wasn't at home. He wasn't his friend's home. So I missed my appointment. We set it up again, a second time. Same exact thing happens again. And it just never had a good story. It's like, oh, I had to go to work. Oh, my uncle. Oh, I had to, I had to, you know, do this other thing. And then um, so second one, I missed the second appointment. Third appointment, I call. And they tell me, they tell me, well, now you're further along and you have to stay for a certain amount of time for observation. And I'm like, crap, what? So now I have to figure out how to set up this overnight with my girlfriend, you know, so that uh, I have something to tell my my mom, who has no idea any of this is going on. So now I have to figure out how to to set it up. Okay, you know, we're going to, I'm going to stay the night at your house, blah, blah, blah. And now this is the third appointment. And this is where I remember just like, I think she was already drunk too. my friend. She was already drinking. And, and I remember just laying on her bed and just crying all night because I'm like, I don't, I think that this is what I'm supposed to do because I'm trying to fix my life. I'm trying to get away from my mom's house and trying to do things and trying to, I want to go to college. I had all these plans. And, and, uh, but, but knowing deep in your heart, like I have to kill a baby. I have to kill a baby and just like try to wrap around, wrap your head around that you're 16 years old. You haven't even told your mom you've already been through heck. And you're just trying to always solve your own problems. I'd put myself in another situation where I have to survive, right? And that was just a really hard thing to remember. So uh, we missed the third appointment and now I'm in a situation, right? Because what am I supposed to do? And so, and I'm still going to church. I'm still going to work. I'm still going to school. I'm still trying to live the life. And the double life of, you know, hanging out with these friends and going to church and whatnot. And so I remember going to church and there um, there was this woman who stopped me. And I, again, i had only told the girlfriend in the McDonald's bathroom and the girlfriend who said, help me get an abortion. And the si- older sister knew. And that was it. And the boyfriend knew didn't tell anybody this woman stops me at church she she's like hey can I talk to you we go into the nursery because everyone had left or whatever it's so quiet and she's like God told me that you're gonna have a baby and I was like no he didn't I don't have a baby you know I'm not what are you talking about and I remember like no trying to play it cool and she's like it's okay if if, if you need help, we will tell your mom, you can come and live with me. And I was like, no, and I was like, and then I started to get angry. And I remember just yelling at her, who told you, who told you? Mm-hmm. No way. No way. That's not how it's going to work. I have plans. I'm going to college. I'm doing this and doing that X, Y, Z. No, 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 no. You can't tell me anything I'm going to do. No. And she just begged me and she's crying and she's like, I will help you. And I said, do not tell anyone. I will take care of this myself. And um and then, you know, I don't remember the change in my attitude, but I think, you know, added up. Okay, now this woman at church knows, and now I have this complicated situation where if I were to go and get an abortion, I I I, I need a lot more than just a one visit. Like I it sounds like it's a bigger deal now. And So I, you know, I reach out to someone else in the church and I said, I need your help. I need to tell my mom I'm pregnant. So that wasn't, I mean, I remember it was hard. I I kind of remember even being cocky about it. I was like, mom, I got to tell you something. And I hope that you'll be proud of me, but I didn't get an abortion, Mm -hmm. you know? And I just remember being, like, kind of cocky about it. I'm like, God, that's awful. That is awful. But, you know, I knew my story. I knew my mom. Like, I knew what she was going to do. And I remember her crying. And, what was
0: her reaction?
1: She started crying. And she's just like, I'm so happy that you didn't. I'm so happy that you didn't. You know, I think at first she was like, good. You know, and I was like, you know. Because it was just this weird thing. Like, I don't know. That part's a hard one. I I probably need to unpack at some other stage of life. But I just remember it was, you know, just a really, really hard thing. And I just, it was almost because I tr- I was doing so much to take care of myself and live my own life under her roof and just watching her not try that I was like, I'm going to show you I can do this better than you or I can, I can do this on my own. I don't need you. I'm going to figure it out, you know. And just, I hope you're proud that I didn't get an abortion, you know. And then and then to top it off, it's already weird and hard. Literally, we're, we're at this restaurant outside, Main Street, Lake Elsinore. And this man and this woman walked down the street with an emu. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, and it's like, just, I remember it was the weirdest thing. Like, God, you have a sense of humor. So this doesn't get serious. It doesn't get hurtful and hard. They're walking. It looks like a baby ostrich is oh, what an email is. And yeah. I was just like, we're all just laughing and that was humorous. And um so yes. And now my mom knows. And uh and the other part is that I had to tell Pastor Elaine she'd come for um to just do her normal she'd always come and visit me the day before kids church and tell me what she would need the next day or whatever. You know, because we didn't have cell phones yet. <laughs> and um and I remember telling her That I was pregnant and she just, she just started to cry. And that was, that was really hard because it's like she, she, again, she trusted me. She was just so good to all the kids. She was a safe place and she's, you know, and then she told me, well, I'd love to still see you come to kids church every week, but I can't have you serve. You know, it's just not what I can have. I just not what I need. You know, I, I can't have you as a leader in front of these kids like this in this situation. And I said, I understand. And I wouldn't want to lead any of them astray because of my choices. And then um, and then her helper at the time, which we were just becoming friends. Her name is Melissa. And um, Melissa was young, younger than her. You know, I, I I at the time didn't know how much older than me she was, but I remember she's always fun. And she was now the adult that would actually come and help Pastor Elaine. And she came like immediately after I told Pastor Elaine, she came to my house and she was crying, too. And she just told me how how disappointed she was. And I just remember how much that hurt because, you know, I was trying to build a relationship with her. But part of it too was that her and her husband had been married for a few years, and she couldn't have children, and so it was just like, wow, it just hurt really bad, because I'm like these people I loved, and I know they cared about me, but I wouldn't stay connected with them now. I've hurt them. That was really hard. So, all right, I'm still in high school. We'll move on to the next part. Is uh, <laughs> I'm well, in high I was, school. I, what I was going to say. Okay, that
0: go ahead. Is you know, we're we're all still h- human. And those were some hurtful things to say to a hurting sixteen-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes the church does hurt us, and sometimes those in the church do say things that hurt. But you know, the church itself, the people in the church, were sinners. You know, Amen. and we and we and we make mistakes. And man, if you guys could see us on video and see my face when Satinka said that, like, ugh. like I'm just imagining myself at sixteen. You know being told I'm a disappointment when I'm pregnant and I've gone through all of this. Um, So just wanted to say that.
1: Yeah. So what happened? Yeah, Yeah. So, you know, to, to Melissa telling me she's disappointed, like I, that it hurt, but it was a big hurt. I think just because of the relationship we had, we're starting to have. And, but you'll see how that, you know nicely unfolds too Mm. is um god god doesn't waste any of it so i'm in high school and i'm on track to do the whole graduating early thing but it was becoming like a problem obviously because okay now i've had to tell my pe teacher that i'm pregnant and and just stuff like that and i'm just really growing really uncomfortable because my body's changing and i'm growing a baby and I'm this tiny little 16-year-old girl. So I had to talk to my counselor and just say, hey, what can I do? I'm on track to graduate, X, Y, Z, whatever. But I, can I, is there some other alternative because I can't be here? You know, I can't, I can't do this. I can't take this. So I had to, I literally had to write an essay. I had to write an essay asking and giving my reasons why I needed to leave my current high school to go onto what they called like a home program or whatever where I would meet with someone and get what I needed for the week. and yeah, that was interesting and I still actually have that essay um, because it's just kind of a crazy thing. I have an essay yes, telling them why I can't be at school. And um, so I, I still stayed on track. I graduated um, in June in June and my baby was due to be born in August. And, um, so also I got a job, the lady, Melissa, she got me a job in an office, like making more money than I was at the pizza place. Oh yeah. Cause I was working two jobs at the time while I was pregnant. I was 16, two jobs. And, um, someone gave me a car, like their uncle died and they're like, do you need a car? I was like, praise wow. God. I mean, the thing was a boat. And it was a little scary to drive. And the ceiling was like coming down. And the guy must have weighed like 600 pounds because the seat was so worn. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need to sit on a pillow while I drove it. But thank you, Jesus, for the car. And uh, so, yeah, I have two jobs. I was working at Little Caesars in the evening. And in the morning, I worked at this office job that Melissa got me, which paid me quite a quite bit more money than the pizza place. So that was awesome. And um, And then fast forward to okay then i i turned 17 um in january he was so i was 17 in january i graduated at 17 in june he's due to be born in august you know and i'm still 17 and um so at this office job you know it, that's a funny story just I needed to go get a tire or something. So I'm at the tire place at like seven in the morning. And I remember I'm like, do I have to poop? Like what the heck is going on? Like I'm so uncomfortable. So I do the tire thing. I go to work and it just, this feeling kept coming kind of consistently. So I called this woman who she was sort of like an extra spiritual mom. And her name was Jody, just little angel. I love this woman. And, um, so I called Jody, and I just tell her, I'm like, Hey, I just, I got something on my mind. I wanted to tell you. And, uh, you know, I tell her how I was feeling. She's like, Satinka, you are having contractions. You need to call the doctor and ask, where do we go first? You know, so I, I call and I'm trying to be all quiet in my office and ask and ask the doctor, where do I go? What time should I go? Whatever. And, um, and so they give me instruction, you know, go come to this appointment to get checked. So I go out there and I have to tell my boss, who's this over six foot, scary guy with this really deep voice from New Zealand. So he has this deep, scary accent. And I have to go out there and tell him, like, I think I'm having contractions. I need to leave work early. And he's like, get the hell out of here. You're not having a baby in the office. (laughs) And i'm like okay i'll get my stuff and it was just like this whole weird thing so i go jody comes takes me to the hospital and i started you know trying to call the boyfriend and say hey i'm going into labor he can't be found he can't um, be reached and um so I'm starting to, you know, I'm having contractions. And I, and one cool thing, though, um, I'm quite proud of is I heard a little bit about, you know, drugs, no drugs, whatever. And I'm like, I don't want to use anything they want me to use. And I'm just, I'm just gonna do it. And so I go, I go to have the you know, going into labor and the, the, the clinic kind of got upset with me. Like, why are you here? You need to go to the hospital. You're three minutes apart. Why are you here? And I remember crying at the office clerk lady who got mad at me because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is the first baby. Like, okay. Okay. Fine. I'll go to the hospital. So I go. And again, I'm telling Jody, can you call, call the boyfriend? Like, where is he? My mom, mom, can you call the boyfriend? He's still not here. And at this point, like other friends are coming to the hospital anticipating a baby's being born. And I just remember being in contractions. And and I'm crying because I'm beginning to realize how alone I am. Mm. I'm literally alone. And it's so sad to think back on because like this is supposed to be a beautiful thing. I'm having a baby, but I just remember just being in so much emotional, mental pain that I could barely take it. And I was, and I remember saying, I don't want to have this baby, just crying, like, Lord, I don't want to have this baby, especially alone. Like, why would I have to have it alone? And, and something that was super special was I remember Jody. She she knew that it wasn't just labor pain, but it was the pain of, you know, he's not here, and I'm alone. And she says, she says, I know this is hard, but you have to be strong for your baby. You have to be strong for Samuel, because I'd already picked his name, and his name was Samuel. And she's like, you have to be strong for Samuel, and I know that you're alone in this. But we're here for you. And it was just like, seriously, God sent her to say the perfect thing. I just remember it was like soothing to my spirit. Just like, if I have anything left, I can do it for the baby. I could do it for my son that the Lord so graciously said, all right, you you kind of did some things out of order, but I'm going to bless you with this child and you know, just, so you know, like I have him, and <laughs> another another just super funny thing is I remember the nurse, she's like, "You have to stop crying." When I was having contractions, she's like, you have to push. And I'm like, it hurts. I remember yelling at her Well, she's like, stop crying and start pushing. And I'm like, it hurts. And I just like yell back at her because I'm like, it's not the kind of hurt you. You don't even care, you crazy old lady. <laughs> and so it's just, again, I always just look for something, something cool to hang on to. I mean, that's not necessarily cool, but it's kind of funny. But, you know, like God just showed up you know, I had him, it was no problem. One of his sisters that I, the boyfriend sisters had showed up and that was pretty special. And she made me feel just, she knew she was, she was really, really upset with her brother. And, but she stayed connected with me and just made me feel special. And um, something that worked itself out in the background was, you know, I was living with my mom, And that lady, Melissa, she knew about my situation. She knew my home life. She knew that I was working two jobs and pregnant, you know, like she and all she could think about is what is she going to do when she has this baby? So she had talked to my mom about, hey, we want to help your daughter. We want to give her a chance. And and my mom was resistant in the beginning because, you know, she's on welfare. She gets a welfare check for me. It's like, why do I want to let her leave my house? And now there's going to be another baby, another mouth in the house. I'll get more money. And uh, she had a change of heart. And just before Samuel was born, and she told Melissa that I could go home with her after the hospital. So literally, just like like literally again just being lifted up out of like this miry mud puddle of like what a mess and being just lifted out and just like being set in a safe place and you know and yeah Melissa and her husband they said you can come and be here with the baby and they set out all these guidelines and you know and they just they really brought even more structure to my life that I I just I couldn't have imagined or even or asked for a better situation because who knows what it would have been I probably would have went right back to work I just yeah, well, figured out what to do yeah what well, well, what would you have done you know what I, choice do you have at that point I have no idea and I don't like to think about the what ifs I just like to acknowledge and say look at how cool that turned out because yeah. I didn't yeah. I I didn't miss an opportunity to say, all right, Lord, you know, I got kind of sat down like, "Oh, well, now what are you going to do? You know, like I got to pick a, I got to pick a path and pick one that's going to just change my, my trajectory. And um. so it was just a wonderful experience in that, like, I had the opportunity, you know, Kurt Melissa didn't pay for everything. They just said, you could have a year's free of rent but you got to pay for everything that's for the baby and you know so I did that and and I started cleaning houses and I just did whatever I could to keep him with me for a short time and then that job that I had he let me come back oh wow and and that just turned into a wonderful just you know growing experience because then he you know I learned so much from him and the company and you know just you know and Kurt Melissa they helped me buy my first like car and and it just it just so many cool things came out of it and then the cool thing to think back on Kurt and Melissa the couple is that she was 26 at the time no like she was only like,
0: 9 years older than you
1: yeah what 26 year old lady says to her husband they can't have kids let's take in this pregnant teenager or this teenager who just had a baby because they wanted to see, you know, they believed that I had a chance. They believed in me. They put value on me. They, they, they just, just, just like my grandma, just, I was given the opportunity to just have my life change and it was just a beautiful season. And I think, God just for you know I tell the kids all the time like never miss an opportunity if God gives you something good like don't miss out especially after making a mistake it's like I think God just is so faithful that way he can provide a way out if we just look for it he is so good that way yeah so good yeah and I and I I just
0: I, I keep imagining you know 16 year old in the hospital you don't even know where you're going afterwards and this yeah. this family that just took you in with open arms just just amazing just amazing so truly fast forward you said kids now i know the answer to this question but a lot has happened between then and now so june mm-hmm. samuel you got the job back um cleaning houses you fast forward a few years this handsome man enters your life you want to tell a little bit about that
1: yeah um i met andrew my husband um when samuel was only 18 months old Mm. samuel was only 18 months old and um i mean i'd met a lot of guys because you know now i'm 18 19 years old and it's like yeah lots of lots of guys want to talk and it's like I don't want to talk to any of you. <laughs> <laughs> I I have a child, I have a job and I just want to be at church or at work or with my son. And um and Andrew was just always super respectful of that that I wanted to just be friends and he watched me kind of, you know, these guys would follow me to church and Andrew we were Andrew played the bass at church. So he'd see every time I'd bring him Bring a young man to church, he'd always see them. And he'd always, you know, just like wonder, <laughs> could that be me? Could that be me? You know, when I'd hear the stories later. And um, we were, we were really good friends for four years. And I just started to recognize and family members too would prod it along. They're like, you know, he loves you, right? And I'm like, Yeah, right. And they're like, No, he really loves you. And um, so we got to know each other and basically that just went from you know we had established a really good friendship for four years. And one time we went to a Padres game and and it was a joke because the family's like you got to stop leading him on. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm going to bring Samuel to this game. It's not a date. They're like, no, like stop leading him on. He loves you. So we we go to this Padres game and um and then I think just after that we'd hung out a couple more times and I remember he was saying something fun about you know well I call it fun because it's a joke He was talking about paying bills and stuff and I was like you just do this this and this and he's like can't you just do it for me I'll just give you my paycheck and you take care of all my bills and I said to him I was like you know I think I could do that for the rest of my life and I think that was when he he, you know, he just professed his love. And it told me, he's like, I wanted to marry you since the day I met you. And I remember crying, because I was like, No, you didn't. He's like, I did. I prayed to God, what can I do to be attractive to that young woman? Because I want to marry her. And he's like, I prayed that all the time. God, what do I need to do to be a manly God, you know, godly man for that woman? And and it just i remember crying cuz i'm like i'm not worthy of someone like you like what so yeah so we basically you know went from being friends to being engaged and married and that was now s- over 16 years ago
0: oh happy anniversary <laughs> right. we're
1: we're 16 years too amazing yep. amazing so yep. two more two more kids yep we had Yep. I had, you know, Samuel was eight and then Elijah was born and then um, another six years later and then Elise was born. And, um, and it was just fun too. Cause when Andrew and I got married, he had his son Kalani and I had my son Samuel. Mm-hmm. So they both, we have these beautiful pictures of the boys in the wedding and um, yeah, just God can turn around anything if you're willing.
0: <laughs> he absolutely can. He absolutely can. Well, Satinka, speaking of turning things around, um, one of the things that I always like to focus on or try to figure out is how can we turn, you know, life's going to give you lemons, right? Mm -hmm. How can we turn some of those lemons into lemonade? And uh, one way that you guys, you guys want, want to talk a little bit about how that rock church, that kids church continues to impact you guys as a family and how you were able to get
1: back to that. So, yeah, Pastor Elaine, um, she continued to do the kids church in Lake Elsinore because she just had a heart for, you know, underprivileged kids. I mean, she'd get all kinds of kids and literally she just knew that living in Lake Elsinore, there was a lot of gang activity and she knew these young boys that like, if she doesn't reach these kids for Christ, like, what hope do they have, you know, and their parents are in prison, or their parents do drugs, or, you know, it's like, kind of extreme, some of the children that she reached, and um, so, but then at one point, God called her to Africa, and she did the same thing in Africa, she started kids churches, or started with boys on the streets, boys that were, you know, they would um steal bread because they needed food to eat, they'd steal for that, or or they would only work enough to go buy glue and sniff glue. And she told them, you know, she'd go and she'd tell them about Jesus and tell them like, no, you could how about go to the shop owner and I'll teach you how to talk to the shop owners. I'll teach you how to go help the shop owner. We'll sweep his floor and he'll pay you and then you can eat. And I'll tell you how to go to school and let's go to school. And she'd teach them and it just kind of evolved from there, and um, uh, just her, her, her growing her her ministry. She at one point, I think, I think, I mean, she had crazy stories of kids she had rescued, where you know a lot of them were their parents had died, or in one situation, the baby was left by a dumpster and the city locals called Pastor Lane or took the baby to Pasture Lane and said what can you do and she's like I'll take him she named him Samuel and um and I think that baby is like 20 22 years old it's like the same age as my son now and um so anyway um so she had a had um homes for the children she started to hire people to come in and be the parents of the homes and So anyway, um, and she was really old when she went to go do that. And um, she actually did just pass away this year. Mm. She was in her 80s, mid 80s, still serving. But um, at the time of her death, um, there's about 97 children that all call her mom (laughs) on her property. Uh, It's it's, uh, mostly self-sustaining rock ministries. And, um, the, the, her children have since, um, helped to partner with it because, you know, after her death and before her death, when she just grew too weak to do a lot of things and, um, they, they're a full school, like they, they board and house children when needed and, um, connect them with families and just like a huge support, and um, send them to college, send them to trade schools. Like, it's just, she turns their lives around because they're just, she's just finding opportunity for them to get them connected, teach them, you know, um, Christian education along with English. And, you know, obviously they have their language, but just super cool. So that, that ministry I've been giving to for a long time. And even now my son Samuel also donates, you know, because my son's an adult. Now and he knows how to, he knows how to do taxes and knows that the, oh. <laughs> that kind of thing is beneficial. But he also loves what she stands for too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And speaking of Samuel, did did he graduate from college?
1: uh not yet. Not um, yet. he's enjoying the FedEx driver life right now. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is one
0: handsome guy too. Well, talk about full circle. So. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I, I'm just reflecting on the beginning of your story all the way, you know, with your, with your mom making that decision and you making that decision and having just a beautiful family and just seeing God weave his way through all of it. And I mean, there's so many other different directions that we could go through. um, But I think, I think this is good for now. So anything else you wanted to add before we close up?
1: Just wherever you're at wherever you're at, just, you are important and you're supposed to be where you are. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard. Cause it's like, who are we talking to? But I know that everyone, I, I heard someone say one time, if you, if you have breath, there is hope, mm-hmm. there is hope. If, if you have breath, there is hope. And what that looks like in many different situations. I couldn't define it, but I know that there's a God who, if he cared enough about me, um, he cares enough about you too. He sure does.
0: He sure does.
1: Mm-hmm. sistinka
0: mm-hmm. it's been an honor. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for yeah. having me. <laughs> you bet. You bet. Your story's powerful. All right, guys. Well, that is a wrap. Um, I hope you were as blessed as I was through Satinka's story. Super excited. Next week, we have a very, very special guest coming on. Um, I think some of you guys will recognize her. And um, excited for you to hear her story as well. It's um, It goes in a totally different direction. And if this blessed you today, please share with a friend and um, be sure to subscribe. And we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you were inspired and moved today. Since this podcast is self-sponsored, I just want to take a minute and tell you about something that helps me to be an overcomer every single day. It's my favorite product from Soul Naturals called Cinemate. Cinemate is an herbal blend of just five ingredients that gives me all the energy that I need without the crash or shakes, balances my blood sugar, and gives me the clarity to get all the things I need to get done like this podcast. And of course, it's great for building up my immune system, and digestive help as well. Do me a favor, go check it out at soulnaturals.com backslash Kristen and use my code Kristen to get $10 off your first order. That's soul as in S-O-L-L-E. Seriously, thanks for listening. It does mean a lot. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and send to a friend who you think would be blessed by it, and I'll see you next week.